0: Welcome to the Pictures of Lily podcast. I'm your host, Lily Moayeri. I have been a music journalist since 1992 and I interview a lot of music related people. This podcast, which is named after the song by The Who, is about my experience behind the story. What my experience is doing the interviews, just to give you a snapshot of what it's like on the other side of the digital recorder. Pictures of Lily. Thank you everyone for tuning into the Pictures of Lily podcast. This is episode 68. We just celebrated our three-year anniversary 10 days ago, and we're still going strong. We publish monthly with a new episode posting on the second Wednesday of each month. You can find us on every platform by going to picturesoflily.com, where you can subscribe or follow us and also connect to us on Instagram, SoundCloud, YouTube, Pandora, and Amazon. Although it's really best to listen to the podcast straight from the source at picturesoflily.com as it is the highest quality audio and avoids copyright restrictions. This episode is on my first 10 years of experiences with the band, Blur. Here are a few snapshots of my varied experiences with Blur. I met the Blur guys in 1991 before I became a music journalist. They were on tour in support of their debut album, Leisure. They were playing at the Roxy here in Los Angeles and I was very excited to see them perform. Before the show, I saw Graham Coxon, Blur's guitarist, walking around the venue and he caught my eye. I didn't know he was in the band, I just liked the way he looked. But then the show started and seeing him on stage came as a surprise and also made me feel like an idiot. After the show, I talked to Graham who was very disinterested in speaking to me. He introduced me to Alex James, Blur's bass player, who told me, "'You have lovely thin arms, darling,' which I never forgot and I really liked hearing, especially after Graham's disinterest. Later, I was sitting on the stage and a couple of people came up to me who were on tour with the band, Texas, who were staying in the same hotel as Blur, and they invited me to come out to a bar everyone was going to, including the Blur guys. I was still trying to talk to Graham, so I definitely wanted to go to this bar. At the bar, Graham introduced me to Damon, assuring me that our personalities were a much better match than mine and his were. As good looking as I thought Damon was, I couldn't stand being around him. But Graham was still definitely not trying to talk to me. I was a fan of the music, even if Graham and quite honestly Damon were not fans of mine. I saw Blur perform every time they came through town, at the Palace, which is now called the Avalon, at the Palladium, at the Mayan. And there was always an after party, and Graham was never interested in talking to me. I interviewed Blur for Strobe magazine in the late 90s. My interview was slotted during a photo shoot they were doing for Nylon Magazine with Kate Garner. Kate used to be in the duo Hazy Fantasy in the early 80s, one of my favorite acts of that time and still to this day. By then, Kate was a very established and talented photographer. The Blur boys kept on singing Hazy Fantasy's big hit Shiny Shiny under their breaths through the whole photo shoot, which was super obnoxious. But they were in an amazing mood, all four of them, and that whole evening was really fun. Random fact, they all bit their nails non-stop. Which initially I thought was just a Graham habit. Speaking of which, Graham was also in a great mood for a change. He was being extremely goofy and unlike any other time I had encountered him. It was pretty hilarious. Another thing that happened that night is another media person who was at the shoot caught Damon's eye. The next day I was told by Blur's team that he requested she be at the after party for their gig that night at the palace and somehow I got roped into being somewhat of a pimp. The media person was not used to this kind of attention, especially from a rock star in a band she loved from when she was a teenager. She was very nervous to say the least. At the after show, I saw Damon nervous, which was a first. He came over to us and wouldn't make eye contact with her. Instead, he spoke directly to me, inviting me to the Sky Bar at the Mondrian, which was the hip and difficult to get into spot in LA at the time. I was amused because Damon would never directly invite me anywhere. This was obviously for her benefit. So I said, we'll be there. We went, just me, her, and her friend, and Damon met us there. And he couldn't get us in, which was super embarrassing for him. And I was muttering, Noel Gallagher would have gotten us in, which at the time was an insensitive thing to say since the Blur-Oasis rivalry was at its peak and Oasis were much better known in the US. The whole night unraveled and we all went home separately. Probably the most unusual blur experience was after a show at the Palladium. The gig was over and the guys wouldn't have made it to the official after party at the hotel rooftop for a while. So we went to an in-between party at the Chateau Marmont. Marilyn Manson was there and my friends were very keen to interact with him. I was not, so everyone abandoned me to chase Manson down. I was alone, so I went looking for them and stationed myself near them, but not with them. Then I saw Manson looking at me and saying something to the people around him and I walked over and asked, are you talking about me? And he said, yeah, I was saying you probably like Iron Maiden. That won me over and I said that I did and I invited him to the Blur after party. Manson came to the party and even as recently as last year, Damon was talking about that appearance as it eclipsed everyone else's presence at the party by a lot, including that of the Blur guys whose party it was. I interviewed Damon for his other non-blur projects, and each time there was an animosity between us. He was more wary because I believe he thinks I saw him do things when he was not sober that he can't remember, which I probably did, but I don't care about them. My animosity was more weary because I was so tired of his unpleasant personality. There was one time I interviewed him over the phone when he was watching his kid. That was probably the most civilized exchange we had. I actually brought it up to him saying that this was the nicest I'd ever experienced him and he said the kid had a positive effect on him. My dislike for Damon as a person has an inverse relationship with my regard for him as an artist. I think he is incredibly talented and a very open-minded and experimental creator. When The Gorilla Stuff came out with Dan the Autobator in 2001, I already knew Dan for five years at that point. I knew he was a big Britpop fan and that working with Damon was a dream for him. What they created together, coupled with the genius visual representation by Jamie Hewlett, is still mind-blowing to me 22 years later. The beginning of Gorillaz was kind of the end of my interactions with Damon and by association with Blur. That was also the time when Graham was pushed out of the band after he came out of rehab. Graham had told me he had a chemical imbalance in his brain, but the people around him said that it was chemically induced by all the alcohol and accompanying substances. I didn't understand very much about that stuff then. But not having Graham on stage with Blur left a giant hole in my experience. I didn't know where to look, and his absence was palpable. Alex told a mutual friend of ours that he missed Graham horribly, and he even cried about it to her. I saw Graham back on stage with Blur at Coachella in 2013, and everything felt right again. And when he joined Gorillaz on stage at the Demon Days Festival in Southern California in 2018, that was a huge bonus for me. Last year, I attended a listening party for the upcoming Gorillaz album Cracker Island, followed by a Q&A with Damon, Jamie, and Greg Kirsten at Henson Studios for Variety. It was then that it dawned on me that Damon had become an international superstar. Gorillaz are particularly popular in the U.S. to a degree that Blur never came close to, which I know pissed Damon off. The stories Damon was telling at that session at Henson, which were of the last 20 years, were so foreign to the person that I knew in the 90s. I was right up front, and even though Jamie looked at me a bunch of times, there was zero recognition on Damon's part, which, after 20 plus years, is maybe a good thing as it means we can start from scratch. That's a snapshot of my 10 years of after parties with Blur. You can find my recap of the QA and a live review of the Gorillas show at Variety.com, and it is also linked at PicturesOfLily.com. Also at PicturesOfLily.com, you can find various other things I've written about gorillas and Blur. Graham's autobiography comes out this month as well, and I've had a galley of it for a few months, but haven't started it yet as I am waiting to see if he will do an interview with me about the book said, In our next episode, I'm going to be talking about my new hero, Taylor Hansen, and the ramp up of my association with him because of the human rights atrocities in Iran. From myself and my co-producer, director, editor, Lauren Schroeder, thanks for listening. And if you have a chance to subscribe or follow the podcast on any of the podcast platforms, please do so and please rate and review. You can connect to us on picturesoflily.com. And from there, you can choose your preferred podcast platform or Instagram or SoundCloud or YouTube or Pandora or Amazon. You can also find the playlist for the podcast episodes on Spotify and YouTube. There's also a Pictures of Lily newsletter which goes out when each podcast episode posts with a bonus newsletter in between that you can subscribe to on picturesoflily.com.